work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to a special edition of Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. I am Jim. I am with Eric. How are you doing? I am doing well. It's sunny outside for the first time in like five days, so busted out the shades. Felt nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I think I opened about on weather like pretty much every time we talk. <laughs> I should think more in advance what I should say. <laughs> I like it. You yeah. know, so. it's, it's what people have in common. It's the, a sunny day. Feels good. So I like it. Okay. And we are also waiting for Godot today. So never a post Sunday Blues podcast quite like this where, and Eric, this is something that you mentioned just before we switched on the microphones, that we are debriefing a sermon that you preached that neither of us wrote and so correct so the godot in this setup is matt Harmon, the lead pastor at liberty church mainline who wrote the sermon for this past sunday so it's a little bit of an experiment eric i'll just recap super fast why we're doing these sermons and yeah. then we'll go into calling it stormy monday and ask you yeah how it felt to sure preach somebody else's somebody else's sermon so if you've been following along Helen Wolves out there from our Sunday mornings and our podcasts. This is a three-sermon mini-series on the three parts of Liberty, the communion of churches, our mission statement. We want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for Collingswood and surrounding boroughs. And two Sundays ago was about living, and then this was about speaking, and this was about serving. The first sermon was written by me, second by Matt Harmon, upcoming this coming week by Vito Baldini. And the idea is, hey, let's give our pastors a little bit of a break where they don't have to write every sermon from scratch for the whole year, but then also some shared DNA where around the same time, all our churches are preaching about our mission together from the same from the same set of sermons. So that was the idea. We're going to debrief all of the pastors' experiences of this, uh, maybe mid to late February when it's in the rearview mirror. But Eric, how did it feel to preach a sermon that, that was not yours? Was it like, hey, you're not my baby? Like like a baby swap in a hospital sort of situation? Um, that's a good question because we actually just went out to lunch with a friend and I held a baby that was not my baby and gave him a bottle for a few minutes. So okay. I just had a you're not my baby experience literally <laughs> um, about which, 30 which minutes better, ago. Which one was worse? <clears throat> I will say this individual's five-month-old weighed about as much as my 19-month-old, so... Um, he's a, he's a thick, he's a thick lad. He's a big, um, big boy. Uh, yeah, no, it, it felt interesting. It, it, um, <clears throat> I don't know if I have a great word for it. it. Yeah, it was, it was definitely unique. I've, I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. It's the first time, um, that I've ever tried to preach and, and personalize. I, I did personalize. We can talk about, about that a little bit, maybe in one of the other sections, but, um, yeah, it was a little bit strange. I, I joked with mm-hmm. my wife, with Carrie, um, I think it was Thursday afternoon. I walked downstairs and I said, babe, I have never felt so prepared to preach a sermon having only spent two hours uh, <laughs> on a sermon in my life. Which was part of the point. Which, this, yeah, yeah, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it, it was a little strange. I mean, it was helpful that 
um matt Harmon's a good preacher like he he did a yeah. nice job like he he already preached this sermon mm-hmm. which was which was helpful um so i was able to listen to his sermon um and he he gave like a really nice um notes both sort of like <clears throat> like rougher notes and like a manuscript mm-hmm. so i was able to listen to his sermon with those two things and um and yeah, but but it but it, it did feel weird, you know. I, I I pretty much I didn't really keep in many of the jokes or like some of the oh, things. Ooh. I'll have to go. We could talk more about that, but like, okay. there were definitely some pieces that I was just like, I don't know, like this just isn't me. <laughs> or like I would never say this word or like huh. this phrase in this way. So yeah. I did tweak quite a bit. Right. Um. I mean, I don't have like a comparison document with like you know words in different colors like what was original what was not criticism yeah 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 document m and document e right um yeah but um but no it it definitely felt interesting it didn't feel as weird standing in the pulpit and preaching it as i thought it might i think Mm -hmm. it was more the preparation and that week just feeling like i feel like i'm not i feel like i haven't done enough but i have a fully written sermon done yeah and like I've gone through it, I've practiced it, I've printed it out, I've edited it, I've reprinted it out. Yeah. But I feel like I hadn't done anything. It was that was probably the strangest feeling, more so than actually standing in the pulpit and actually preaching. Yeah, I I foresee that the challenge. So I haven't experienced this yet because I was the only preacher at our community yeah. churches for the first one where I'm actually preaching, preaching your own sermon. This morning, so we're recording on Tuesday afternoon. I worked on my version of Vito Baldini's sermon. Oh, it is, yeah. And it was certainly different experience so if normally sermon writing is pretty much a cradle to the grave experience where you 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 germinate the sermon you birth the sermon you write the sermon you deliver the sermon then the sermon dies and you do a postmortem about it which is what we're doing right now yeah that this is a little bit more of adoption coming I don't know, coming to like a 25 year old dude and saying, well, I'm your new dad. <laughs> and all of a sudden, or like, like jumping on a moving trade that where that it's already yeah. there. And, and yeah, I yeah, foresee yeah. that the challenge for me, most of all is going to be getting my heart in line with the uh, mm. material because yeah. I'm so used to, I think that's right. Throughout the couple of weeks of sermon preparation for each sermon, I'm praying about it. I'm reflecting on how does this affect me yeah. personally? Yeah. Lord help me to be passionate about what I'm talking about. But, Instead, by design, this is a little bit more of a of a microwave experience. And yeah. yeah. So, so, so by the time you got to Sunday morning, did you feel that you were dispositionally there with the with the material and what you were talking about? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, like if Jalen Hurts was like ninety percent, like this past Sunday, good enough. That's what was, he says, and it was plenty good enough. Like yeah. I would probably say I was something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't think I was fully there in the same way that I would be with my own sermon that I germinated or birthed and kind of watched grow up and everything all the way through um, to mix those two metaphors. Um, But I was mostly there, you know, like I think for me, and I'm sure you have the same experience as Jim, like you are on a run or you're driving in the car or you're washing the dishes and you just kind of start thinking about your sermon that's upcoming or you think of like, oh, I should tweak that point this way or I could say that this way instead or, oh, man, what's that one verse that might fit or that one illustration, you know? Yeah. And you kind of get those, like, ideas that come out of nowhere. Um, I did – I was starting to get those. I'm starting to get my tickle again. Here we go. I was going to ask about that later. I've got a joke for you when we get there. Okay. Um, But I – yeah, I I was starting to have – I was starting to have some of those 
some of those moments for sure. Yeah, so there were definitely some times um, in the in the in the later days of thinking about the sermon. You know, Tuesday, or like I started on Monday, I guess. I think Tuesday, but by like Wednesday, Thursday, I definitely started to have, um, yeah, some some ideas that were kind of creeping in that I, things that I wanted to add to the sermon or ways I wanted to tweak different like paragraphs, different mm-hmm. points, different things. So I do feel like by the time I stood up in the pulpit, I pulpit I was beginning to embody the sermon, right? And in, in some ways that felt more like if I wrote it, but I but again I probably didn't get all the way there. It was probably yeah. like ninety percent, yeah, um, which which was which felt different, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's about that's a, about as good as it gets when it's some when when it's somebody else's. And and if you would have been a hundred percent there, that would have meant a lot more hours of preparation and spending with the material, which we didn't want you to have to do. So yeah, that's probably that's probably true. Because I, I think a lot of that for me also comes just from studying the passage itself, like kind of yeah. digging into the text, like reading some commentaries, and really thinking deeply about the text itself. Or like yeah. in this sermon. I obviously I thought about the text a little bit, but I didn't do like that exegetical work. Yeah, it was really just taking a sermon that where Matt had already done that heavy lifting, and kind of editing from there. So right. yeah, so 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 that part like didn't get down, and that's probably that last ten percent that yeah. that maybe would have like made it feel f- more fully to me. Yeah, and with with commentary work, exegetical work every week, there's always at least a couple of those like aha moments. Well, there there's different kinds. The yeah. oh, oh that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that before. Right. Moments. The aha moments, and then the oh wow, I bet this would fit into the sermon really well, and and we just don't get don't get any of those things. Yeah. But I thought overall, uh, I thought Matt wrote a great sermon, and I thought you delivered it really well. Speaking of exegesis, let's keep going. Yeah. Sun Studios, presence of the Lord, Acts chapter eight. Tell me about what you found when you did exegetical work on this passage. <laughs> well, when I was reading it in Greek on Monday morning. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. So, again, it was kind of different in that way. But but Matt did a really nice job. I, I thought there were some nice tidbits, some nice little points in the sermon that you could tell that he had done some work, yeah, some exegetical work on it, um, whether it was pointed out from a commentary or from his own, from his own work. You know, obviously we don't know. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there were two points from the passage that I thought were really interesting and things that I had never noticed or thought about in the passage before. I mean, this is a fairly common passage. Yeah, it's um, a great one. Fairly common story, um, especially as, like, someone who reads, like, regularly through the Bible, like, you know, Acts as one of the more fun books to read. And yeah. so, like, I've, you know, I've read this passage many yeah. times. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. For those listening in. Sure, I've heard a sermon on it before. Um, yeah. But, um, but, yeah, there were a couple of tidbits I thought were really interesting. So, so, first of all, like, one of the points that he mentioned was, at one point in the sermon, was how it was important to recognize like where Philip was coming from, like what he was yeah. being called away from. That was new to me. Yeah. And I've, I've preached on this sermon or on this passage. Yeah. I just had it. never, um, obviously Matt Harmon is better at literary context than you and me are, I guess. <laughs> uh, Got to read before and after. But, um, but yeah, I thought that was a really interesting point that like God was calling Philip away from a ministry that by all accounts was really fruitful, really successful. God yep. was really using him in powerful ways in his role um, in Samaria, uh, but called him to, to, to go to meet this one man. Um, Show enough. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. I'd never considered that part of the passage before or that context of the passage before. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing I thought was really interesting, the second, the second point that again, I think would have come out of his exegesis or his, or his commentary work was, um, you know, in verse 26, you have the angel of the Lord speaking directly to Philip and telling Mm -hmm. him to go South. 
Right. Um, and he and he obeys. Uh, and then he sees the chariot, and then the Spirit of the Lord again very explicitly says, go over and join the chariot. Mm-hmm. And so Philip obeys, and he goes over by the chariot. Um, but then that's that's where, like, the, the really explicit, like, spirit prompting stops. Uh, and Philip hmm. asks the question, like, do you understand what you're reading? Like, unprompted. He just knows what to do at that point. Like, God yeah. has put him hmm. in, in a supernatural way, has yeah. put him in this place, in this position to interact with this Ethiopian man, mm-hmm. but he doesn't need a prompting to then like open his mouth and speak about Jesus because he's just there. The invitation is there. It's yeah. obvious this is a divine appointment and he just speaks. Yeah. He doesn't need the spirit to say, okay, now, okay, now, okay, yep. go now. You know, he just does it. I like that. Um, so I thought that was a really great point that, that there is this really explicit prompting um, leading up to that moment, but then he needs no prompting. Um, when it comes time to open his mouth and to actually speak uh, the good news of Jesus, the good news of joy. So I, I thought that was really cool. Those are probably the two parts of the passage um, from Matt's sermon that really stuck out to me. I thought were really interesting. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I thought that what you explained about the person of the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, there was a lot of nuance packed into not a whole lot of time there. Yeah. So, so the whole thing about, well, there was some, Pros and cons, or I don't know if pros and cons, that these are some things that would have been sure, that yeah. going for him, but these are some things that were not going for him. Yeah. And Ethiopian, uh, a black person, influential, wealthy, educated. Yep. Like all up into, the, like, yeah. good, good stuff, a pro, foreign pro, dignitary. Pro, 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 yeah. Pro. Yep. But then the, the eunuch part about not being respected. So having all of this influence, but not really being one of the... Yeah, one of the insiders not yeah. respected, and then the exclusion from the temple, which, which would have been a big deal. Yeah, for a pilgrim, going to the temple. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, yes. I, I yeah, I agree that that was really cool. I thought Matt did a really nice job in the way that he teased that out and drew that out, um, and in the and even the way and and in this part I di- I didn't tweak very much at all, just where. Um, when the Ethiopian eunuch gets to the point after Philip explains the good news to him and he says, Hey, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Like mm-hmm. I thought Matt very artfully. Yeah. Very, very artfully did that part where he, you know, said like went through a couple of different examples of where the eunuch could have asked in his life a similar question, but yep. then would have, would have the blocker either yeah. to himself or somebody else, you know, right. yeah, the blocker was that, you're a eunuch. Like, yep. You're a eunuch. You're a eunuch. Like, yeah. This is what prevents you. This is what yeah. prevents you. This is what prevents you. Um, but uh, but the grace of, of Jesus Christ is so big. It's so beautiful and so powerful that it doesn't matter uh, yep. that he's a eunuch. I, yeah, here's water. Like, let's baptize you. Like, there's there's no barrier to entry because um, Jesus has already cleared that for you. So, I, yeah, I thought that was really beautiful. Matt did a great job there. I, that part I really didn't tweak at all because I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Um, but I like how he teased out the barrier. And, and by teasing that out, it makes that grace pop more mm-hmm. and makes the the fact that there is no barrier in Christ to be united with him in baptism uh, and makes it stand out and, and jump off the page a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see me not liking a sermon from, from, from this passage. And I, my church in Texas, I preached through all of Luke and Acts, So I at least did it there. I forget if it Liberty sure. Collins would, we've done some like short series in Acts. Yeah. I didn't actually go back to there. look and see if we did this specific passage. The, but I could, hopefully my sermons weren't terrible. <clears throat> Bigger point being. If they were, we'll post them. The, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. We'll repost them. Pat, Pat's going <laughs> to post them all over social. And 
to use this passage about evangelism, about verbal witness, I think is good and right. Mm. But I think it would go too far or at least feel a little under nuanced or crass to say, to use this passage as a manual for like, here are the five things everyone must always do in an evangelistic conversation. And so, and there, there there are, there is parts of church world that's like super how toozy and you treat every detail of narrative as an implicit imperative, which it's not intended to be. So Matt avoided that, but then drew a lot of good stuff from this passage, whether talking about how Philip listens first. Yeah, that was great. Not not a bad idea. Yeah, that was great. And then the right question to ask is the whom question, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, I thought that was really, really great. And no, that's right. You know, when you read Acts, when you read other narrative, um, you know, it's kind of an old Bible college or seminary, like hermeneutical phrase, but that, um, you know, description doesn't equal prescription, mm-hmm. you know, that like this, these events are being described. They're not being prescribed, like like right. you said, and like here are the five steps or whatever. Yeah. Though there is plenty to draw out of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Matt did a really good job with that. But yeah, we're not we're not saying... Um, yeah, that everybody needs to find like the perfectly analogous situation. Like it can only be on a road. It can only be in a, a vehicle. It can only be with. <laughs> it can only be a eunuch. It can only be a eunuch. It's really going to limit our evangelism <laughs> strategy. It's a niche market. Um, it probably make a lot of people in our church happy. They'd be like, well, I don't know any, so I guess I'm off the hook. Um, True. So that wouldn't be great. We, that's not the goal. But, um, but yeah, but there's, but there's, but the describing of of, of, of the situation, yeah, still has a lot. Um, of application for us. Uh, it, I think it's really great. Yeah, it's, it's a great passage. But the last thing for me about this passage, did there's a verse, just a couple chapters in Isaiah after quoting from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 56, did uh-huh. did, did Matt mention a verse from from later on? No, I don't think the, so. No. And and this is not to criticize you or criticize Matt, but but I've always wondered if there is a, a subtle book ending because after the, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, is in Isaiah 53, and Isaiah 56, chapter 56, verse 3, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people, and let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my malls a, mo- a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So, so, yeah. so to me, that's that's one of the there's there's yeah. beauty and restoration there where yeah. uh, you can you can see how a unit it, it's not just flowery lang, flowery language for the for no point, but a eunuch specifically not able to reproduce. Behold, I am a dry tree. But then mm. the Lord saying, "I will give." to these a better inheritance than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And then the cut off also a reference to the castration, I think, too. Yeah. And, no, that's great. And that's, that's a great verse. Yeah. Fulfilled fulfilled in Jesus of, of Nazareth. So Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's certainly possible. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look and do, like, control F and find. Sure. Um, but, like, in, in, in Matt's longer version, there's a lot in there that didn't make the sermon cut. Oh, that's so right. Yeah, it's certainly possible that that verse could be buried in there somewhere, and he okay. just, just didn't make it into the final version. But yeah, it I, is a good one. I did, for for my sermon, I did not include a longer version because there was not one. <laughs> so, yeah. you gave you gave people kind of like more floor. than your like hieroglyphic. That's true stuff, though, right? Hopefully, I I did, 
which, great. which was a pain to yeah, have to like, for you. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I had to go back and do. All right, that's all I got for presence of the Lord. Do you want to move on to muddying the waters? Or do you have anything else? Uh, no. Okay. So muddying the waters, encouraging the people of Christ. So, so there's a little bit of an apologetic about, hey, do not. And this is a little bit of the, similar to the question that I asked at the beginning of my sermon last week. Mm. Uh, who would agree with the statement, what the world needs is more Christians? Um, yeah. Right. And then very, very related to that is this idea, do our secular friends and neighbors, would they be in favor of Christians witnessing to them? Yeah. yeah yes Saying no. more words. Right. Yeah. More words. And I, the uh, chief, the, not the chief, was it Chief Justice Brandeis? Was he a chief? Uh, I don't know. He's Supreme the, Court Justice either way. But okay. Yeah. Brandeis, yeah. yeah. So, so Justice Brandeis, the quote, Matt used a lot and wrote it into the sermon multiple points and, yep. and, and used yeah. it really well. So the antidote for bad speech is good speech, not yeah. not not less. So there's a little bit of an apologetic towards yeah. commending the practice of verbal witness to people that themselves are not Christians. And then also thinking through our own blockers as followers of Jesus as it relates mm-hmm. to the same. So contents of message, recipients to, to the message here. I'll ask a question. So this in this Rubik's Cubes the sermon a little bit. This is, the, this is a practice of presence of ours, missional engagement. Yeah. And I think there are a couple of different blockers. There is mm. to why don't we do this more? I, I think for for this cultural moment between speaking and serving, most of our people would say that serving is probably a little bit easier than mm. than than speaking. Uh, there's a there's an equipping piece and then simply a fear piece that, that keeps people from being as effective as as, yeah. as I might be. How would you speak to either or both of those for people that feel that they need equipping and they're just not, they, they don't know what to say? And then the fear piece, fear of marginalization, yeah. ostracism, awkward moments with friends, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I think I would, I'll start with the second one, the fear piece. Um, yeah, I think it is really easy for us, like as followers of Jesus, to be really timid with like speaking out, um, or, or I should say not speaking out, it's not the right phrase, but like speaking up or like being clear yeah. about about our faith. Right. Um, you know, what's funny is that, you know, at least in my own experience, like, People ask questions, like whether it's like your coworkers or your family mm-hmm. or whoever. Hey, what did you do this weekend? How are you? How's your family? Yep. What's going on in your life? Like, how are your kids? Like, you can insert things about Jesus and about God into those questions in very, like, natural ways. Yeah. We just tend not to we because we don't want to go there. Yeah. But there is an opportunity in all of those questions with anybody Mm-hmm. I think to give them like a little bit, a little bit of a window into the fact that like your relationship with Jesus like does impact all of who you are and everything that you do. Right. It gives the opportunity to like bring about a little bit of like God consciousness or like divine consciousness in that person mm-hmm. um, in a conversation maybe they weren't expecting, but not in a way that's like aggressive or yeah. abrasive. You're not, trying to convert them in your answer of right. what did you do this weekend? Yeah. But like, it's okay to tell them that like you worshiped at a local church with your family and that the sermon was really good or yeah, 
whatever. What his sermon wasn't good. <laughs> Here's why. Or whatever. <laughs> you know, the guy preached somebody else's sermon and couldn't stop hacking along. <laughs> but you know, but I, so I think I think sometimes yeah. we're really timid. But like, if we ask simple transparency. Yeah, I mean, if we ask somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, would you do this weekend or whatever? And they talk about going to the bar and like, you know, I mean, you know, it won't be like good drinks, but like they talk about like having a wild and crazy weekend. They're super hungover on Sunday morning. And like, I mean, there's a part of you that like aches for that person, Mm -hmm. but like you don't lash out at them and decide you're never going to talk to them again because like the way they're living their life or certain things like doesn't match like what you believe is true. Um, you, they're your friend, so you still love them, or you're, yep. the, the, you're their the, you're their family member, you're their coworker, and you're in the cubicle next to them, and like it yep. is what it is, you know, and like you don't, you have more of a relationship there that that can withstand like some differences, like in some of those basic questions. Mm-hmm. So that I don't know, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Part of that just comes from my own experience, where I had someone who's not a follower of Jesus one time, like actually press me on this issue a little bit. Hmm. Um, it was when I first moved up here and I mm-hmm. was working at Groove Ground in Collingswood and one of my coworkers, you know, when you're together at a coffee shop, especially mm-hmm. like early in the morning, there's two of you and things right. are, can get slow maybe after the initial rush of, yeah. you know, commuters or whatever. And, and he, he, you know, and he would be like, how you doing? How was your weekend? You know? Yeah. And I remember one time he was just like, Hey man, it like, seems like your weekends are like always good. Like everything's always good. And I was just kind of like, wow. Like, <laughs> I'm like really missing an opportunity to just be like more transparent with this guy, not yeah. because I'm being dishonest with him, but just because I am just being kind of vague and yeah. giving like pat answers. Right. Um, That's interesting. And, and so from there story. forward, I tried with him specifically and with my other coworkers just to answer more honestly and talk about, oh, yesterday at church was kind of crazy and yeah, uh, the chairs weren't set up or like, you know, this happened or um, yeah, things are good or hey, man, like, you know, we didn't, you know, last night was kind of tough because of this or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... I think just being transparent and, like, speaking about Jesus in ways that are authentic and real, just answering people's, like, basic questions, Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to be afraid of that. Like, there isn't – because it's not like you have to give, like, this full, fully fleshed out gospel presentation for spiritual laws, the Romans road, whatever. yeah. Every time you open your mouth and say the word Jesus, you know, like, you can just insert it into regular questions or regular conversation. And and that's been a journey for me, even as a minister, to, like, grow – in those conversations with non-Christians and even with Christians about different topics mm-hmm. where we find disagreement yeah. to just be less timid right. um, and just say, I mean, you do so in a way that's kind and gentle and gracious. Yeah. You know, I quoted the first Peter passage where mm-hmm. he talks about always being prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you, but to do so with like gentleness and respect. And so yeah. like that last clause is important. Right. Um, and so, but we don't have to be timid. We can be bold, but we can also still be humble and, like, gracious yep. and kind. And that's something I feel like I've grown in over the years. Um, and, again, you just recognize that, like, other people are going to speak with what they believe to be true or they're going to share who they are and what they think about things and how they live their life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, yeah. I think you – there's no reason for us as Christians to feel like we can't at least do the same. Right. Um, but I think we just psych ourselves out. Yeah. Um, so that that was a lot of like yakking about the fear piece. I don't know if you want to interact with that. Right. I could go on to the other one. But. Just just one 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 story that that comes to mind. Years ago, and maybe this is fresh in my mind because we were back at Urban Promise in Camden a couple of weeks ago. There was a friend of mine here in Collingswood who was at their annual banquet. First, I forget if he was invited or what, but um, uh, and I think I'm not exactly sure what which event it was, but it was their like. 
I don't even know if they do this in the same way, but it was like their Super Bowl main event, probably a fundraising piece to, to people mm-hmm. in the room where they showcase Urban Promise and put their best foot forward about this is what we're all about. This is why yeah. you should get yeah. excited, get yeah. involved. And I was set up to think that the guy was going to say, I didn't like it. It was smarmy. They're just patting themselves on the back the whole time. There was too much Christian stuff involved in it. And so when he said, hey, I went to the, I went to this Urban Promise thing last week, and I said, yeah, it was probably just all right, right? Um, it, but he said, no, it was inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, okay. But, but, right. I was like, oh, yeah. Turn, uh, turn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like pulling, pulling the ship, <laughs> pulling the ship sails in yeah. the other direction yeah. real yeah. quick. To, yeah. Me too. Right. Yeah, I'm so inspired. The, but yeah, I, I, I was lowballing the, I was lowballing in my own mind the beauty of Christianity in action and the gospel in action yeah. when yeah. I, I had this preset narrative in my head about how he was going to deal with it, interact with it, when instead it was just like, yeah, they do a ton of great work. <laughs> yeah. And so we had a good conversation about it. <clears throat> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, yes, that's like a little bit of the fear thing. Um, mm-hmm. The equipping piece. Yeah, so the equipping piece, I mean – I mean, there's a lot of different things you can say here. I mean, first of all, I think we also use the, well, I don't know what to say thing, just mm-hmm. like as a little bit of, of what's the, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like we, we use it as just like a, as like an excuse, like, well, like a red herring. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just this kind of like false belief that we feel like we, we need to know all the right answers or be like 100% prepared for any possible scenario. And if yeah. we're not hundred percent prepared, we're not going to do it at all or say anything at all. Do you need to know everything about the six or salary cap situation to have a conversation about how much you like Joel Embiid? Right. No. Exactly. Right. Or whatever. Um, so yeah, so I think that's right. So, so I think sometimes it's just like a little bit of a hurdle that we need to like, maybe not even try to jump over, but just like break through and just be like, Hey, this yeah. isn't like, we're, we're kind of setting ourselves up a little bit, like with this like idea that we need to be like, so crazy equipped. Yeah. Um, cause reality is like from a, from a, like a theological spiritual perspective. Um, and Matt mentions this in the sermon a little bit too, that like, if you're in a situation where like God has put you in close proximity and given you the opportunity to speak about Jesus with somebody like, like you're you're equipped to do it. Like God's yeah. put you there. Like He right. believes in you. Yeah, it's a it's a divine appointment. You know, and and like the spirit of Christ like indwells you if you're a follower of Jesus, and like you just need to have some confidence there and just go for it, mm-hmm. um, regardless of how much like training or equipping you think you have. So I, I think that's like one thing. But I will say on the other hand, like yeah, it is important to like be able to think through some of these things or to have some. Uh, like different like conversational like pathways or ideas in your mind about mm-hmm. where things could potentially go. Um, and, and there's like a myriad of resources out there. I mean, like the resources are there. I mean, it's yeah. not like nobody's come up with them or like right. written the books or have the YouTube videos or the sermon yeah. series or the, so those things are out there. Um, if you need to read or want to read those things. Um, and I think they're good. And I think, I think you should, but I, you know, again, I, I think sometimes with the equipping piece, we feel like, um, we need to know like the really complicated like answers to like people's like really hard, like philosophical 
yeah. um, questions, like so what, what you call like apologetics, like these Christian arguments that are very intellectual, that combat like ideologies and <coughs> other philosophies and, and these really deep, hard questions. We feel like we need to know the answers to all of those things before we like share about Jesus. But again, like yeah. I feel like I know an oak. We're using too many sports analogies, Jim, but such is life. Um, <laughs> it's a season. It's a good sports time right now. It sure, it sure is, my friend. Like, I, I understand, like, a little bit of football strategy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, like, I couldn't tell you, like, certain coverages, like, super specifically. Like, right. I know some general stuff there. But, but again, like, I can still, like, enter into a conversation about how, like, we should probably throw the ball to Dallas Goddard. Like, he's a beast. Yep. Um. And the reason I know that is because I witnessed it. Like, I watched it. Like, mm-hmm. he pancaked, like, two poor defensive backs on two different plays. It, it was, was glorious. It was so wonderful. <laughs> so wonderful. I, like, came up off the couch on one of them, actually. I was like, like, here he comes! <laughs> here he comes! Oh, I love it. Um, got Dallas. Oh, it was so beautiful. Um, <laughs> um, but again, so, like, man, we're getting off topic. So, um I, yeah, I don't understand. I couldn't answer somebody's like really hyper detailed question about a coverage or about this or about yeah. well, what if they rotated from like too high into like, you know. Right. But like, I don't need to know that to like, again, like to have a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody. Like, I can still talk about what I've seen, what I've witnessed, what I've experienced. And like, when we're called to share about Jesus, we're called to be witnesses. We're just witness to what we've seen and know and have experienced. Right. Like, we don't have to have the really hyper detailed intellectual arguments like nobody is claiming to be like the world's foremost expert on xyz topic and yep. like we're not going to be that i'm not that you're not that yep. like and that's okay like we don't need to to have read like every apologetics book out there and be prepared to answer people's like really hardcore questions like we just need to share about who jesus is to us and what we've experienced of yeah. his love and his grace and how it's changed our lives and um, if people ask those really hard questions, like it's also okay to say like, Hey, that is a great question. I feel like I've heard somebody answer that question before in a way that was really great and made a lot of sense. I do not remember what the answer was. Like, let me get back to you. Yep. Like that's no harm, no foul. That's fine. You yeah. know? Um, so that's, that's a couple of thoughts for equipping. I mean, the, the only other thing I would say too, is that like, um, like it just takes practice. Like you have to actually try, like right. you're not going to be equipped with like never having done it. Um, yep. You know, like you want to be a, you want to be a runner. You want to like play golf. You want to mm-hmm. like shoot hoops. You want to be an artist, a guitar player, harmonica player, Jim. Yeah. Just for example. Hey, it's me. Um, you know, like you have to practice those things, you know? Right. Um, so like you got to actually do it and get like. Get some reps. Yeah. And again, I think an easy way to get reps is just to like be a little bit more transparent and honest about how Jesus impacts the mundane and basic things of your life. When people ask you questions about how was your weekend or how's your family yep. or how's work, you yep. know, you can insert your faith into those things and just begin to get like, build those muscles a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you can do more equipping like as things come up, but you don't need to memorize the textbook um, yep. ahead of time. Yeah. There, there were all of these reports when Ben Simmons was still with the Sixers. One more sports thing. <laughs> I tried to get that, into art and music that, there, Jim. I threw something else out there. It's sports time. Uh, that is. that Ben Simmons would practice three-point shooting constantly, like at practice. But that's all he did. Never took him in a game. Yeah, that still doesn't do you any shoot. good. Yep. That's right, Ben Simmons. All right. The, mu- the waters have been muddied. Shall we go on to bar band cover tunes? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think it's enough. Cool. Just as w- so, what did you have? I have Brandeis, which was nice. Yep. 
Brandeis is nice. If Ooh, you know what I mean. There you go. The, and uh, Princess Bride. Yeah. Vizzini from The Princess Bride. I, I would not have remembered that dude's name. Oh, I wrote it down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a Harmon joke. That's a, I just I just used that one. Okay. Uh, in, inconceivable, um, which is great. Like I looked up a little. Have you like, seen Princess Bride? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when I was when I was like in probably like late elementary school, middle school, mm-hmm. like that was like the go to like substitute teacher like play the play the movie for like right. a period. Yeah. Yep. Movie. Um, yeah. I don't know what that movie is now. Like I'd be curious if anybody out there. Who either has like an elementary middle school student that knows? Yes, yeah, it's still um, still in circulation. I mean, there's just nothing in it, and it's like push. It's like a link that like works, you know. Yep. So I mean, I've seen it. I probably saw it more like within the halls of a public school building than I ever did outside of it. But yeah, um, yeah it's a great movie. So, but but I went on YouTube and like there's like a little like uh, you know mashup of like every time he says it in the yep. movie with like a little bit of context. Right. Um, and that was kind of fun to watch this week, just to kind of like brought me back a little bit. I, I need to watch that movie again. It's been a really long time since I've watched it, but it's a yeah. good one. Yeah. My, so kid, younger kids, at least in my experience in Collingswood here, they it's watched in elementary and middle school a lot. So but but my parent or my parents, my three older kids all hated Princess Bride. So yeah. Like this movie is lame, 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 lame. But then that's Pirate... also why they show it in school because right. it has nothing in it. It's that's lowest like cost. Yeah. Possibly. Well, like... I, I think the argument can be made that like it's safe, but also spicy at the same time. That sure, that, that yeah. it, it it has enough interesting things. It's yeah. genuinely funny. Has a nice love story. Right. That that yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that it's not, it's not nothing. Like a... Right. Sure. Not a sure, wish sure. sandwich. But then Clara came along and said, "This is great." <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea why. So I I enjoy the movie. Yeah. And yeah. So anything else? cover two no i mean yeah no that and brandeis and then i quoted first peter which i which i put in there okay he had i guess he didn't use that in his sermon though he alluded to it i guess mm-hmm. um at one point but i but i inserted that in there but yeah vizzini and brandeis were from his original sermon that was it which was in some ways was kind of surprising like that he didn't have a lot of like quotes in there but yeah again it was kind of one of those interesting things for me as a preacher where like i feel like i need to have like a really like boom like quote somewhere yeah that's like a couple sentences long from right. like a great theologian or an author or somebody. Yeah. But like Matt was just kind of like, no, nah, I'm good. Like <laughs> he used two short quotes, like in his intro and there was nothing else. Maybe, maybe. He just, he just went for it. And it's like, Oh, that, but that's kind of was kind of nice to like, Oh, and this sermon like still works. Yeah. Even without that, you know? So yeah. that was kind of a, almost a good experience for me as a preacher. But, um, but yeah, that was all that I saw. Maybe it was like actually a low key flex from Matt when he's like, "Well, actually, you're quoting me the whole time." <laughs> and that, that's why there aren't more. Yeah, he should have because... put at the very end. He should have put the whole sermon in quotation marks, <laughs> and right. he just cited himself. Yeah. Did uh, real quick, and then we'll go to guitar slim pickings. In terms of feedback, did did you get different kind? Did you get questions about? Oh, like did you get different feedback based on the fact that it was a. Uh, no, no, I no, I really not didn't. Not really a high feedback sermon congregation. No, I mean, I, I, I didn't really. I probably didn't get as much uh-huh. as I get sometimes, where in the back of the sanctuary, whether it's like the sound booth person mm-hmm. or the camera operator, yeah. when you're kind of back there taking your mic off, yeah. you know, they might say, "Hey, man, great sermon," or "Good job," or do they after the th- those people never tell me that? <laughs> well, maybe you should make friends with them. <laughs> Um, I have to learn their names. Yeah, you got to talk to your people, Jim. <laughs> Jim likes to hang out in the green room. I'm a man of the people. I'm in the back. Magnanimous. I'm in the back working the working the levers. Um, 
you know, or like in the courtyard or just after the sermon, somebody will say, you know, oh, it's a good sermon. Like I didn't get any of that on Sunday. Okay. So that was different. Though I did get one text message from somebody that said, hey, that was really great. That really, that really struck me. Okay. Um, which in that in a text message will happen sometimes too, but I didn't get any in the in the actual service okay. itself. Yeah, just curious. Guitar Slim Pickens, I did want to ask, what was it like? So, so there there was one point during the sermon when your throat got really scratchy. Oh boy! That I was thinking, there's a non-zero chance that Eric might ask me to finish this. Dude, it popped, in, it popped into my mind. <laughs> yeah, you could have just read it; it was there. Yeah, it popped into my mind. That would have been my anchor, man. I'd like just take the flute out of my. <laughs> Dude, of it my was rough. it was rough, I and was... I've still got it. I mean, it's like anytime I talk, these last couple of weeks, like our family's just been in and out of like colds and running yeah. noses and post nasal yep. trip and all that, and it, and it's just like in the last couple of weeks, anytime I talk more than like 30, 45 minutes, it just like shows up. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Even right now, here it comes, baby. You got through it. So I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I got a drop in my mouth, a cough drop, but hopefully this will end eventually. Um. But yeah, no, it was rough. Uh, it was rough. There were definitely some moments up there where I was thinking, like, I, I don't, I'm not sure how this is going to go. <laughs> um, I, I think too, and I might even be doing it now with the microphone. But I, I think I, when I'm when I'm in the pulpit, like I am, like we're mic'd. Yeah. But like it's a big room, and right. people feel far away. Yeah. And I still feel like I, proje- I feel the need to project. Yeah. Right. There. Yeah. And I, and as I, you should. Yeah, and right. And I think that brings, like, life and energy in the voice as well. It mm-hmm. isn't just, like, monotone. Heightened or, like, conversational tone. Right. And say. so um, – but I, I, there's a chance that I probably should have just been more conscientious of that and just talked a little bit quieter. Maybe <laughs> <The> that, speaker. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would have helped um, to not project as much. And even now I feel like we're talking – because this microphone's right in front of me. I almost feel the need to project more than I know that I do. So yeah. I don't know. So – that could be part of it. Whereas, like, if I talk on the phone, like I talked to my mom on Sunday afternoon, actually. Yeah. Like, just catch up with my mom for about 30, 45 minutes. And, like, I was fine. Yeah. I was just sitting on the couch. Like, the Bills, maybe the Bills Bengals game was on on mute. And I was just kind of sitting there chatting. And, yep. And it was fine. So I, it has something to do with, like, talking a long time, projecting a lot. Hopefully it'll go away. Um, so I'm just, like, cough drops and tea with honey and stuff to, to, to try to keep it at bay. Um, yeah. So, uh yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I, I do have, I do have one, like I did think of a joke later that I wish I had used oh, in yeah. the pulpit. Oh, I don't nice. know if you want me to do that now. Or... Yes. Okay. So, so is this one of Matt's or? No, this is mine. Okay. I thought of in the moment. Okay. All right. All right. I actually had, so preparing for the sermon, uh, on Sunday morning, I thought about, uh, at the part where I think it's the, the intro to like one of the, one of the sections of the sermon, where Matt, where it's like where the the fear thing comes up, um, like the contents of the message, which mm-hmm. I did change the titles by the way. Those were my point titles. Oh, interesting. Okay. From his a little bit. Um, again, just to make it sound a little bit more like me. But the contents of the message, like um, here's where we get a little bit nervous. Like, what do we say? Yep. Um, I thought about I thought about inserting a joke right there and saying something like, um, you know, yeah, we can get a little bit nervous. Like, it's a little bit scary. But the reality is it's a lot less scary than the Giants' defense was last night. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> – Love it. I was going to say that in oh, the sermon. Man. I was, you, you forgot in the moment? Or well, my throat it? was starting to bother me, and oh, I was just I like, I'm not adding – got to, like, power through this. I'm right. not adding anything. Oh. But then in the courtyard, after the service and, – and for those that, like, don't go to our church, like, the courtyard, there's just, like, a little uh, out, outside, you know, courtyard. Like, that's um, – outside the entrance or yep. whatever 
to the sanctuary. Got um, a point before and after church. Yeah, and um, and so I was out in the courtyard, and Tyler Mills, our music director, came up, who is a Giants fan, <laughs> and um, he just he kind of said he kind of came up to me and was like, he's like, hey man, like good job, like you know, way to like way to power through. And I said, and I said, yeah, dude, I was I was choking, I was I was struggling up there, I was really choking, kind of kind of like the Giants choked last night. Oh, and I wish oh. I I wish that's wow. what, I wish I had said that. Yeah. In the pulpit when I was, like, hacking and drinking water and getting a cough drop out of my pocket. And people were probably all like, what's happening? Yeah. And I could have, like, that laughter probably would have been helpful then. Um, so I wish I had used that. But anyway, I thought nice. of it later. And, yeah. But Tyler got to enjoy it in the moment one-on-one spont- spontaneously. And Tyler was a good sport on, on Sunday. He was a good sport. I think I told you, and I definitely told Tyler at that moment, I was like, dude, I – I came here this morning. I did not want to talk to you before the service yeah. at all. Like yep. I just did not want to engage about the game at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking to Tyler and his wife, Amanda after church. And I said to Amanda, wasn't it like great? Like in how cute it was for the past couple of weeks that Tyler was so excited about the Giants. I was, <laughs> I was just so happy for him to be happy. Wasn't that, wasn't that nice? <laughs> anyway. And then the hard reality. <laughs> Yeah. You know, one, one thing that's funny, I've mentioned this to you before, but this is a cultural difference between like my church back in Tennessee and then here mm-hmm. is that probably the only one, but go on. for sure. Yeah. This is the only difference. Otherwise it's identical. Um, you know, four or 5,000 people on Sunday, like 1300 auditorium, all that. Us. Um, but, uh, but that, but, but that, that feeling of like coming and people being like excited about a win or like Tyler, like being like devastated by a loss. That's every Sunday in the South because football's on Saturdays. Right. Yeah. So in the or actually every, you know, during football season, yeah. not, not yeah. all fifty-two yeah. Sundays. But that's one of the things I actually hated about being there, is that since college football plays on Saturdays, like the the mood in the auditorium would be dramatically different after a win or after a loss. That's funny. And if the game yeah. was and if the game was late, home game that was late, like attendance would be way down. Forget about it. Attendance yeah. would be way down. So it's we just don't experience that here since like the football yeah, obviously there's Thursday night, but yeah. until you get to the playoffs, it's like Sunday, Monday. Yep. Um and you don't have to really worry about it. So that that is it was funny to like feel those vibes um in the sanctuary on Sunday because it was like a, it was like a familiar feeling yeah. but like what I hadn't felt in a while that's funny yeah on a Sunday morning yeah most of the time hope springs eternal on a Sunday morning yeah with, yeah 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 when when all these Philly sports fans that have tried to talk themselves out of getting excited about the game are excited about the game and think they're gonna win yeah yeah, yeah. but such is life okay anything else guitar slim pickings no that's the only thing I had was my was my potential Giants dig and then my actual Giants dig yeah Ha ha. Ha ha Okay, we could go on, but but this is not WOP radio, so we're gonna we're we're gonna curtail it right here. Helen Wolves, write in post on blues at gmail.com. Let us know how you're experiencing this three sermon mini series. That's all I got. Any parting shots, Dr. Mitchell? No, I'm good, man. Looking forward to uh, hearing you preach the Reverend Vito Baldini sermon this Sunday and seeing how you how you tweak it. It'll be fun. Wait for this week's. How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Happy.